from the News Channel 5 Network. This is Inside Politics. Hello, everyone. I'm News Channel 5's political analyst, Pat Nolan. Welcome to Inside Politics. As the Tennessee General Assembly continues its work here in Nashville, one of the major controversies before lawmakers is the future of Tennessee State University. A pending bill would dissolve TSU's Board of Trust and allow Governor Bill Lee to appoint a new group. The move comes after a highly critical audit of the university. But supporters say TSU is not being treated fairly, and as a historically black college and university since its founding in 1912, it has never been treated as it should be. The Nashville State Senator Char Charlene Oliver represents that part of Nashville where the school is located. She's our guest on Inside Politics this week. Senator Oliver, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pat. It's great to be here for the first time. So in your, in your opinion, TSU is not being treated fairly? I think if you look historically over time, uh, the answer to that would be yes. Um, you've uh, you've got to take into account a lot of different factors that that have uh, transpired over time. I mean, let's look at the the reason that Tennessee State exists in the first place. It's because historically, in the 1890s and after Reconstruction, um, University of Tennessee in Knoxville as a land-grant institution was approached to, to say, hey, let's accept you know, black students at the time, and the answer was no. They rejected that idea. So they didn't want those students in the first place, and so uh, a separate institution had to be created. This particular situation to um, basically get rid of the board, uh, the audit on the, schools, on the school was made by the state had some very serious questions about leadership, management, and operational issues. Are those charges not true or exaggerated? Uh, are, are we talking about the audit from last year? Or yeah, the, so the, okay. the, the, the audit was done by the state. I mean, yeah, the outside yeah. audit, we'll talk about that too. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I've looked at that audit and, you know, there is some merit to that, right? There's, there's some merit to some of those allegations and findings that are in there. Um, but what I think is that these, these findings are fixable, they're operational in nature, and, um, you know, can be fixed with, with the leadership. So what I, what I think is, uh, needs to be looked at is are these uh, changes that are, that are being proposed in the legislature, do they match does the punishment match the crime, basically, in, in this situation? And I think uh, we're taking a very heavy-handed approach to what are sort of management issues that, that m most institutions face. There is a second audit that the legislature authorized $2 million to, for an outside firm to come in and look. I guess it's what the first audit came through. Uh, it was due to be finished in December 15th December. of last year. It's still not done. Right. Well, I haven't seen that uh, audit come through. Uh, last I heard, it was supposed to be mid-February. We were waiting on that, so I haven't received an update on on what that what, what, what what's is. the problem. Your intimations from up on the legislature that this is something TSU is causing, like dragging their feet or something. What what do you think is the reason why this audit's not done? Uh, your guess is good as mine on that one. Um, you know, I did hear. Uh, rumors of, you know, um, certain people at the institution that were not being as cooperative as they should have been with that. Uh, I'm not sure how true that is. I'm not sure how true there were subpoenas involved to have to get information. Uh, that's certain, certainly a, um, a story that I've heard with, with the forensic audit. Now, TSU President Glenda Glover has been quoted as saying that the school's in its best financial shape ever. Uh, do you think that's right? 
Uh, but you know, I think when you consider the fact that we are experienced experiencing high enrollment where folks are wanting to really come to Tennessee State University. Um, there, there is some truth to that for sure. Is it in the best financial shape? I'm not, I'm not, that predates me, I'm not sure. Uh, your Senate colleague, John Lundberg, who's from the Bristol area, is sponsoring the legislation to vacate and reconstitute the TSU board. He says what he's doing is the best possible scenario to move forward for TSU. I suspect you disagree. I, I adamantly disagree with that. Um, we have had solutions on the table for the past uh, two years, and uh, we know that this is the most heavy-handed approach and not the most, um, not the best decision that allows TSU to be successful going forward. To to look to to do any vacating of any board, any organization, when you talk about eliminating the entire leadership, not only uh, with when you consider Dr. Glover, who's retiring, then who is left to maintain the institutional knowledge of this institution? And I don't think that's the best approach. As you mentioned, dissolving and reappointing a board of trust is a very serious action. Yeah. Uh, although the state looks at all boards and commissions at the state level for sunset purposes, they have to reauthorize them regardless of who they are or how long they've been there. Right. But did Senator Lumber even come to approach you about introducing this bill specifically about TSU? We've talked about it, but uh, did he approach me beforehand? Yeah. No. Um, this is a decision that he's making on his own. He doesn't. Did, did that make you mad, the fact that he didn't come <laughs> talk to you and you're the senator that represents that school? Well, I, I would certainly appreciate the respect of uh, my colleagues to, to talk to me about that. But uh, again, we have a, a, a legislature and a Senate that that's in control, and he's the chairman of the education committee. Um, I think he feels like he can do what he wants to do in that in that arena, but again, I'm listening to my constituents, I'm listening to alumni, I'm listening to students, and everyone except him is telling us this is a bad idea. The bill does seem to be moving ahead in the Senate. I think it's passed at least one Senate committee. What's the current situation? Is it ready to come to the Senate floor? Are there other committees that have to vote as well? I serve on that committee, the Government Operations Committee, um, where that bill came through I adamantly opposed it and committee voted no and where it stands now is we're, we're kind of in the holding pattern um, the, the bill has to go through the house but we also have to understand that we're in, already in the sunset period what happens on June 30th of this year we have to take action before that or there will be no board at all um, from a legislative authority perspective so um, we're in negotiations. We, we've got several options on the table. I've proposed um, to my Senate colleagues to say, hey, let's not do this all at once. Let's at least think of a phase-out opportunity so that we can keep some members on to keep that institutional knowledge because to do to not do, do that would be detrimental to the current leadership. Senator Charlie Oliver is our guest. She's a great state, state senator from here in Nashville. We're talking about the controversy over the future of Tennessee State University. More conversation after this break. Stay with us. Welcome back to Inside Politics. Our guest today is State Senator Charlene Oliver from here in Nashville. We're talking about the controversy over the future of Tennessee State University. 
Senator, you talked about negotiations were going on. Who's in the room for this? Obviously, you are, but are you, are you talking to members of the legislature? Are you talking to the governor? Are you talking to people at the Board of Regents? Who else is involved in this? Yeah, I'm talking to my Senate colleagues, uh, Senator Lundberg, who's the Education Committee Chair, but also Senator Bo Watson, who's our Finance Chair. Um, those are the two most powerful folks that sort of hold the future of TSU in their hands. And so I'm, I'm talking with them. I'm obviously in collaboration with Representative Harold Love on the House side. Um, who's been working on this issue for years, and then Chairman Reagan in the House. And uh, Governor Lee has sort of taken a back seat to, to the issue, but he's the one that has appointed this board, and we're looking to have him take more of a leadership role on this issue and come in and say this, this is what needs to happen. And something has to happen to either reauthorize the TSU board or the board itself will go out of business whether this bill passes or not. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, June 30th, 2024 is our countdown clock and we have to take action as a legislature before that or this board goes away anyway and that's not what we want. You mentioned the compromise. Are you talking about putting TSU under back under the Board of Regents, putting them under some other state agency? Um. No, I believe Tennessee State University deserves to self-govern themselves just like any other institution in this state. Um, the fact that we're not treating them that way is uh, it does have some some racial implications there that I think are going on. But listen, uh, there are options that are on the table that doesn't require us to vacate the entire board all at once. Now this controversy over the board comes at the same time that President Glover is retiring at the end of this academic year, which will be also around May or June. Yes. How does that impact being able to find somebody to be the next president of TSU? Who wants to jump in the middle of that controversy? Absolutely. I think we've got to consider that. Are we setting up TSU for success? We're in the middle of a presidential search that is slated to end at the end of April. And so we're considering finalists for the job. And do we want our next president to walk into a, a chaotic situation where they don't have a boss? They don't have a board of trustees. So we need to make sure that we're setting up the next leadership for success, but also financially what we're not talking about is the historical underfunding that it has played a role in why TSU is in the situation that it finds itself in with these historical audit findings, with uh, having to sort of rob Peter to pay Paul and having um, housing situations and, and scholarship problems because they don't have the adequate funding that they have been owed for a number of decades. TSU's correct funding has been a part of a, a report that was given out by two federal agencies, the Department of Education and the Department of Agriculture. Mm -hmm. They say that TSU has been underfunded for the past 30 years to the tune of $2.1 billion. That's the biggest short funding. This is federal funds coming down that they're supposed to get a bit of being a right. land-grant college. Well, is, this, um, is this move to change your leadership at TSU because state lawmakers are mad that TSU's been raising cane about not being able to get full funding and this is payback? Well, you certainly got to question the timing, right? Um, it's certainly a coincidence that we're uh, so interested in looking for problems. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a problem trying to trying to uh, elevate itself. And so, why aren't we having that conversation? And I want to talk about the funding just a little bit because I know that number is out there that 2.1 billion. That's just going back the past 30 years. We're not yeah, talking about money coming down. It's been a lot long, been coming out here a lot longer. A lot than longer. That. And so that's just been what the the federal government has been able to to be able to track for the past 30 years but that's one pot of money 
that we, we need to consider. There's also the uh, land grant funding and, and uh, money that goes directly to the Department of Agriculture by way of grants and contracts that we also aren't talking about. And that's the $544 million that's on the table too. Now you mentioned that you and TSU leadership have been sort of quiet and trying to negotiate something out about this with, with the state. Uh, so far, nobody knows exactly where that's gonna happen, but, uh, uh, but the people have been talking, students and others have been talking yeah. about taking this matter to court. Is it time for TSU to take this matter to court, particularly if one of these bills passes? Well, that's certainly, again, an option on the table, and I, I think those matters are, are a last resort, not necessarily a, a tool that we want to use right now. Um, we've had Attorney ben Benjamin Crump come down and talk about that and um, say he's willing to sue the state, but I hope we don't go to those measures because if you look at what happened with the University of um, Maryland, what happened in Maryland with their HBCU uh, lawsuit, they didn't get back all their funding that they were owed. So what the courts um, mandated that that they pay was not the full amount. So we take, we run the risk of not even receiving the full amount if we take a, a legal route. Tennessee State was, was a board of regents school was under that and that they didn't have their only independent board until the last few years. Um, all the other regent schools do as well. Have any of the other regent schools had this kind of a problem to be reauthorized for their board? Or is this another indication perhaps that there are other issues going on here, perhaps all of racial overtones, but why suddenly it's TSU that has this problem? Right, the Board of Regents um, is an is a authority entity, governing entity that governs the two-year institutions in our state. And that's where- um, But the, it used to do the four It used 40. to be, but the, the, the option that was on the table was to roll TSU under the Board of Regents along with the two-year institutions, which would have been unfair treatment. So um, there have been instances where uh, the board of University of Tennessee was vacated in the past, at least that's what I'm told. So it's, it's not sort of a, a far-fetched idea, but when you consider all the factors of what's happening with TSU, it, it, it seems to be an action that is uh, irresponsible given the historical underfunding. Charlene Oliver is our guest. She's a Tennessee State Senator representing the TSU area. We're talking about the controversy over Tennessee State University and its future. Back to continue our conversation with the Senator after this break. Welcome back to Inside Politics. Our guest today is Tennessee State Senator Charlene Oliver. Um, we're talking about what's been going on at TSU, but Senator, I want to change the subject just a little bit. This week you were in Washington talking to members of the Department of Justice. Um, you're very concerned about how Tennessee does not handle very well felons coming out of prison who paid their debt to society want to get back their voting rights, but mm -hmm. there seem to be constantly new ways of coming out that they have to qualify for, including being qualified to get a gun permit, which they yeah. don't really require of anybody anymore, but they have to get that to get their, their voting rights back. Yeah. So what do you want DOJ to do? Well, I think we have, we have moved so much past the mark of what our voting rights restoration process should be that um, the Department of Justice needs to come in and investigate our election officials because I believe that with 
the new memo that our coordinator of elections has sent out, we he's operating outside of his authority and uh, making broad interpretations on the Supreme Tennessee Supreme Court ruling that came out uh, this past summer, and using that as a way to further disenfranchise um, our returning citizens. Um, since this uh, new ruling came into place, only one person. One person out of 470,000 Tennesseans that are eligible to get their rights back has been able to do so. That is disenfranchisement. You're about halfway through your first four-year term as a senator. Uh, before that, you spent nearly two decades as a community organizer, as an advocate. That's right. You operate now in a very different world than you did when you were a community organizer. How have you been able to adjust to that? Because the state yeah. Senate is very different from being out organizing something in the community or being an advocate. I think, you know, organizers make the best of elected officials because we come from the community, we have a pulse on what the issues are, and I've been care I've cared about this voting rights issue for a very long time, and I've, I've seen the injustice, and I, I do believe this is a grave injustice that we are locking so many people out away from the ballot. And the fact that before January, the process was already convoluted. It was confusing, it was, it's expensive, and there is no one, in, no one entity, government entity in the state that is responsible for this process. And now we have doubled down, almost tripled down, on the process to now make it further, uh, even harder for someone to get their rights back because we now require them to, to, to get their gun rights back, which they can't do. In the area of guns, there's probably no more emotionally charged session of the legislature than what happened in the special session last summer on public safety. Yeah. There was no action taken at all in terms of the regulations of guns. There were a few other things in terms of spending money for the schools to, to deal with that, but um, it's going to come, it's trying to come back this year. There were thousands of people up there this past week saying we want to have more, more action. It does, it, do you see any side that's going to change? It's got, I don't see any side that's going to pass any legislation about gun regulation. Right, um, where the legislature is operating so far out of the will of the majority. The majority of Tennesseans support common sense gun reform, preventative measures, and the only conversation that our, my Republican colleagues want to have is either putting more guns into the classroom, uh, more um, uh, officers into the classroom, um, nothing that actually is going to save a life. Um, so no, I, I haven't seen any legislation that is meaningful that is going to move. And it's further going to uh, agitate and anger uh, the moms out there, the covenant moms, and, and, and frankly, anybody who stands in the way uh, of gun violence. It also appears in a number of areas that those who speak out against the legislation, against the, the Republican majority of the legislature, get some payback on. You had two African-American lawmakers who were kicked out last year. Mm -hmm. They were restored by, by both their local government body and by the voters to stay in their seats. Now there is legislation passing even a constitutional amendment to may say, well, if they ever get kicked out again or others get kicked out, they can't be reappointed by their local legislative body. Um, right. Do you think that has racial overtones to it? Uh, um, you know, I think, Yes, I mean, on, on its face, let, let me answer that. But at the same time, this, this body is so interested in putting more energy into being retaliatory and playing politics than actually serving Tennesseans. We want to have conversations about making sure that the will of the voters don't get hurt 
Representative Justin Jones and Justin Pearson were elected by their constituents. They deserve that right. It's in our Constitution. If that, and if their voters and constituents want to send them back, that is what should happen. Um, they have a voice just like everyone else. I have a vote in the Senate just like everyone else, and that should be respected. We should not be trying to carve out legislation that is targeted towards two individuals and will further have consequences later on that we can't go back and fix. There's a bill going through that was already passed the House that would basically ban pride flags in the schools, no mention of the, the Nazis flag or nothing of Confederate flags. Um, Lieutenant, Governor, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally says he has concerns about that bill, so it may not go anywhere in the Senate. I guess you're happy to hear it may not be coming until they find out what the Attorney General thinks about it. Thank God we're not talking about flags right now in the Senate because we should be talking about how can we make childcare more affordable, how can we put more money in people's pockets by ending the grocery tax. We should be working for Tennesseans, not trying to uh, cause more harm to the LGBT community or um, making political statements with what flags people want in their classrooms. Your work as an advocate has helped thousands of Tennesseans register to vote, particularly through your work with the Equity Alliance. Uh, presumably most of those voters you hope will be voting for progressive causes. Yet Republicans continue to have dominated the legislature now for well over a decade and doesn't look like it's going to change in this coming election. Why can't Democrats, you're registering all these voters, why can't Democrats be more competitive in this state than because they're not very competitive now? You're the super minorities of both mm -hmm, the House and mm -hmm. the Senate. Well, that's because the Republicans have rigged the rules so much in such a way that um, any organizing we do is sort of, is uh, undone by statutory limitations. We can't have ballot measures in this state to put whatever issues to the to the to the voters because it's difficult to get um, ballot referendums through the legislature um, we have gerrymandered our district so much in such a way that we don't have competitive races 50 percent of uh, seats that are held by republicans go unopposed and so that's that's a shame that we don't have true races where people are being held accountable before they get to the legislature and being uh, tested. And so, um, you know, if, if we can register people all day long, but we, if we're not um, implementing um, pro-voter measures like same-day voter registration. Senator Oliver, thank you so much yeah. for coming on the program. I hope thank you have anything in soon. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on Inside Politics this week. Hope you come back in for a future show. If you can't catch our program live or on the cable or on online every week, keep you can keep up with the list of what's going on by catching the new Inside Politics podcast. It's available on every favorite podcast platform. Goodbye.